14 features your podcast website needs. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 256. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I've been doing this series for a couple episodes now of talking about aspects of your podcast website. And today I want to share with you 14 features that I think your podcast website needs. Now, some of these are a little bit relative and they're totally up to you to decide how you want to fulfill these features, but these are my recommendations. Some of these are completely optional as well, like monetization. If you don't want to monetize your podcast at all, then you can ignore the monetization recommendations. But these 14 features that I'm going to talk to you about are number one, podcast players, number two, backup, number three, security, number four, contact information, number five, social sharing, number six, search engine optimization, number seven, stats, number eight, speakable URLs, number nine, speed, number 10, engagement, number 11, search, number 12, podcast RSS, number 13, email opt-ins, and number 14, monetization. You can follow along in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash website features. All of these are about the features and functionality of your website. There may seem like there's a little bit of crossover here with design, but remember the purpose of design is to point people in certain directions, to unify branding, to make things easier for your audience. Design doesn't really add features. In fact, if we want to look at this from a more technical perspective, design is what goes into the CSS of a website, whereas the features are what go into the coding and the programming of that website. The features are what make the website do something. The design is how the website looks and how people get to those features and how they can interact with those features. So for most of us who are running WordPress websites, features to us means WordPress plugins. And several of these things do have specific WordPress plugins that I recommend for them. And I'll have all of these in the show notes for episode 256. But many of these can be applied to your website that's on some other content management system as well. It doesn't have to be WordPress, though I do suggest WordPress. I think WordPress is the best platform for managing your podcast website, but you may be on something else. So take what you can from this and try to integrate these features onto your website. And I will definitely have WordPress plugins for each of these that have specific plugins that go along with them. So follow along in the show notes if you'd like at theaudacitypodcast.com slash website features. Number one, podcast players. I talked about this in the last episode when I was talking about design and a very important aspect of the design of your website is to have a prominent player. That's the design that makes it prominent, but you need to have a player in the first place. So that's a feature. I really believe that podcast websites need to be as easy as visit website, press play. Your design makes that player more prominent and makes it obvious where the player is, what the player is. But it's the plugins or other embedded code that you use on your website that give you a player in the first place. So if you're on a WordPress website, then there are a few different players that I recommend, and this list may change. So if you want the latest recommendations, definitely look in the show notes for this episode. But PowerPress, the plugin that we all know as making a podcast feed from your WordPress website... PowerPress also includes players inside of it. I recommend that you use either the HTML5 player and give it a nice looking image, or what's probably the best one is to use the MediaElement.js player. You don't have to know what MediaElement.js means, just know that's probably the best player in PowerPress, at least as of version 5 through, I'd say probably version 7, and there might be something better that comes out in the future. But if you want to enhance your player, 
and make it even better, add extra functionality, better theming, better features to your player, then my top recommendation is Simple Podcast Press. This is by Hanny Mora, and it is a fantastic player for WordPress. What I love about this is not only does it look good, but it gives you the ability to customize the colors and so that it matches the branding of your site if you want to change that or even just adapt it a little bit. So if you want a white player or a black player, you can do simple things like that or more customization to it. But it doesn't stop there with just looking nicer. It also provides some great features like some buttons underneath the player. It provides great integration with PowerPress so you don't have to change your workflow. You don't have to go back and edit all of your old posts Simple Podcast Press can simply replace the PowerPress player, and I love that. That makes it much easier to use. But Simple Podcast Press has a lot of other great features in it as well, like timecode bookmarks, so that you can put a timecode in your show notes, and when people click on it, it jumps to a certain portion of your episode while they're listening there on your website. And then those time codes are also readable by many podcast apps that read those, such as Overcast on iOS. It can look at those time codes and let people jump to that spot. So you're not only making a time code that works for your website, but also for Overcast and some other podcast players. Simple Podcast Press is a great plugin. And if you want to buy it, it is a premium plugin, but if you want to buy it, Go to the link in the show notes and use the promo code NOODLE. That promo code will save you 25% regardless of what the time of the year is. That promo code does not expire. And sometimes that promo code is better than whatever other sale might be going on with the plugin at that time. So definitely enter that promo code. I've got the link in the show notes for Simple Podcast Press over at theaudacitypodcast.com slash website features. The next player that I really like, and you see a lot of entrepreneurs use this in businesses, is the Smart Podcast Player. This is by Pat Flynn, and I think that this is probably the best-looking podcast player for your website. It's designed for WordPress, and it is a WordPress plugin, but at this time, it doesn't integrate very well with PowerPress or even necessarily at all. You can use it alongside PowerPress, certainly, but adding the player may seem a little bit cumbersome to some people, but you do get a lot of great features in that player and a great design. I have a link to that player in the show notes. And a new player is coming onto the scene, and that is Podcast Player. That's without the E, of course. And that's coming from Appendipity, the makers of my favorite podcast WordPress themes. They're soon coming out with a player for WordPress websites that will have many of these great features too. And I'd imagine integrate really well with the Appendipity themes as well as any other WordPress theme you'd like. It's currently in alpha and beta stages, so it's not quite available, but maybe by the time that you're hearing this. So the link for that will be in the show notes. And then there are other players coming and going here and there, but these are the ones that I like the most. What I've seen so far of the upcoming players and these players that are already available I like these the best. So if you want to pay for a podcast player on your website and enhance the features of the podcast player, then my top recommendation, Simple Podcast Press. I have links to these other ones if you like them better in the show notes for this episode, number 256. If you're not on WordPress or you're okay with embedding some code into your posts in WordPress. You can just switch over to the text tab in a WordPress page or post editor in order to add some HTML code. Then there are some really nice embeddable players that work anywhere HTML and iframes are accepted. That's the important thing. You need to remember iframes must be supported when you're embedding these. These come from Libsyn and Spreaker. Now, both of these are services that you pay for. Both of them are podcast hosting services, and they provide their own features, and I highly recommend both of these companies. You don't necessarily have to use both, but I recommend one of these, as well as Blueberry is another company I recommend, and my promo code NOODLE will give you a free month on Libsyn, Spreaker, or Blueberry. But with Libsyn and Spreaker, they give you the HTML code to embed a podcast player on your website. You can do that on any website. You could do it in the text tab of your WordPress page or post, but you could also paste it into Wix, into 
Squarespace, into your plain HTML website, into anywhere that accepts HTML and iframes and can load some JavaScript as well, but that's pretty much everywhere. These players can look great and have great features in them. They may not integrate as well with the rest of your website, like integrating with PowerPress or having little time codes that you can put in your show notes, that kind of thing. But they do provide some great features and they're mobile friendly, mobile optimized. They look great. They work great as well. So if you're on some other website that's run by something other than WordPress, consider the Libsyn Embeddable Player or the Spreaker Embeddable Player. These are included with your account on either of these platforms. You don't have to pay extra for this. Just look for the code to be able to embed the episode on a page. Choosing your podcast player may be a little bit of a commitment as well because you could be locked in to whatever player you decide on. And I'll have a completely separate episode in the future talking more about podcast players and how to really take advantage of a podcast player on your website. But some things to think about in the meantime are how easy the player is to integrate with whatever tools you're already using. Maybe it's PowerPress, maybe it's WordPress, maybe it's something else on your website. Think about what kind of workflow this podcast player requires. Some podcast players, you just simply switch something on and it integrates with your existing workflow. Other podcast players, you have to change your workflow in order to use that new player. And also think about whether that player is templated and if any changes are retroactive. So if you have 200 episodes that you've already done on your podcast and you want to switch to a different podcast player, can you switch and all 200 of your past episodes also be switched to using the new player? That's one of the reasons I really, really like Simple Podcast Press is because it can do that if you've been using PowerPress this whole time. It can switch all of those past players for you. Now, you could also maybe have a player that's built into your content management system like Squarespace or into your WordPress theme, kind of like the themes from Appendipity do. And you could use those. Those also integrate with PowerPress. So think carefully about these things when you're choosing your podcast player, but make sure, most importantly, that your website has a podcast player. That's why I've spent a lot of time on this. It's because this is really important. People need to be able to visit website, press play. If they can't do that, then this most important feature is missing from your site. That's number one, podcast players. You could even consider having a playlist player, and several of these players do provide that feature that you could embed on a podcast page or on your homepage, but what's really most important is having that individual episode player on your pages for the individual episodes. Number two, backup. Keeping your site and information backed up is crucial. I think that backing up your site is even more important than the security of your website that is preventing your website from being hacked. Now, if you take credit card information, I think that's more important for security than backing up. But the reason why I think that backup is more important than security is because as long as you maintain consistent working backups, if your website is hacked, you could just restore from a backup and then fix whatever problem presented that opening for someone to hack your site or insert malicious code or whatever. You can manually back up your site by copying folders in your FTP structure, exporting your database and stuff like that. And your web hosting company may actually provide regular backups for you. This may be something you need to turn on, but whatever the case, understand what their policies are before you rely on their backups, because it could be that they only back up your database once a day and you need backups more frequently than that or maybe they back up all of your files only once a month or once a week maybe you need it more frequently or maybe restoring information is quite difficult or they back up at a certain time and you really need it to back up at a different time but if you're running wordpress then my favorite premium backup solution is backup buddy 
I have a lifetime gold subscription to Backup Buddy because I love it so much and I know that I'm going to use it. It works on all of my WordPress websites. I'm using it on all of them. It's backing them up. I can back up all of the files and the database or only the database. I can back up only tables. Then I can send those backups to somewhere else like Dropbox and FTP. I can email them to myself. I can have them hosted on the same server. I can send them to Amazon S3 or I could use iThemes new stash, which is their backup stash that can do live real-time backups and backup information as it's created. That's really cool. That's all part of Backup Buddy, and it is a premium plugin, but I have a link in the show notes if you'd like to purchase it. Go to theaudacitypodcast.com slash website features. That's number two, backup. Number three, security. Security is important not only for your site and for you, but also for your audience. The first thing to do is to ensure whatever web hosting company you use, that they take appropriate measures to keep the server secure. Managed hosting providers like WP Engine and others will also make sure that your website is secure. That's your WordPress installation and such. Don't confuse server security with website security. Server security is protecting the back end of things, but it may not necessarily protect your website. It's like I could focus on locking my front door and ensuring that no one can get into the front door, but then do I lay out all of my precious jewels and line the floor with dollar bills and leave all of my valuables there for someone to steal once they get in. You need multiple levels of security, really. And if you're running WordPress, then plugins like WordFence or iTheme Security Pro can be great ways to protect your WordPress website. But remember that security really starts with you. Use secure passwords. Don't install questionable themes or plugins. Don't click on malicious links. Don't give out your admin password to other people. And if a trustworthy company legitimately needs access to your website to fix something, diagnose something or anything like that, make a temporary admin account for them and then delete that admin account or change the access information after they're finished doing what they're doing. In other words, be smart. Don't be dumb. That's the first step toward good security for your website. And if you accept any kind of payment information from people on your site or personal contact information, the security of your site then matters to your audience as well. People will go to your site trusting you that their information is safe, that you're not going to give them a virus or a malicious software or anything like that. You need to make sure you have good security. That is a feature to your website and a highly important one. That's number three. But moving on then to other features that are more front-facing features that people will see on your website. Number four, contact information. I really think that you need to be accessible enough that someone can contact you from your website. This should be at least a contact form. Like you can use a great plugin such as Gravity Forms for making great contact forms and other kinds of forms. And I have a link to that in the show notes. Or your email address. And if you're using an email address on your site, please don't make it something at gmail.com. Make it your own domain name. You can make a feedback at myawesomepodcast.com or something like that. Even if it just simply forwards to Gmail, that's fine. And there are plenty of other ways that you can be more contactable, which is a real word, so that people can reach you, such as voicemail. You can have audio messages through your website, forums, contact pages, or comments, and that kind of thing. But really start with the essentials and then add what you're comfortable sharing. Maybe you don't have an option for having a phone number. You can't get Google Voice or some kind of voicemail-only phone number. All you can do is email. Then have at least a contact form and your email address. I highly recommend that. You may have a P.O. box, and that can be great to put on your site, too, if people want to mail you things like send you chocolates or cool things for your podcast, and that can be a lot of fun. Here's something else, though, that doesn't immediately show up on your site, but is extremely important for your podcast, and it could be influenced by what you're using for hosting your site and your podcast. That is the email address listed in your RSS feed, specifically in the iTunes email section of your RSS feed. Todd Cochran recently posted this on Facebook, Twitter, and a couple other places. He said, quote, 
Out of 320,000 RSS feeds going to iTunes, 42,000 feeds contain one of 25 contact email addresses from podcast providers that have more than 500 feeds submitted to iTunes, which means 42,000 podcasters can never be contacted from the email address in their podcast feed. This means they will never get notices from iTunes when there is an issue with their feed and with syndication providers. So whose email address is in your podcast feed? That's from Todd Cochran. I didn't realize this until recently that some of these podcast providers that make the RSS feed for you are by default putting their email address in your RSS feed, not yours. I will name a name here. The biggest offender is, can you guess? Can you guess? I'll you have one guess and you'll probably get it right. You guessed SoundCloud, didn't you? Yes, that's the biggest offender is SoundCloud. If you use your SoundCloud RSS feed for your podcast, and that's the only case where you need to be worried about this with SoundCloud, among all of the other things to worry about with SoundCloud, but back to email, check your content settings inside of SoundCloud. And I have a direct link to that in the show notes for this episode. Ensure that the email address displayed option is set to your email address by default that is blank or it's by default really set to use SoundCloud's email address. This is why frequently if you submit a podcast to iTunes and you're using your SoundCloud RSS feed, you may never see your acceptance back from iTunes because they're emailing the email address that's in your RSS feed. And SoundCloud, by default, will set that as their own email address, not yours. So SoundCloud is receiving those emails, and they're not passing them on to you. And other podcast RSS feed creation tools may do this same thing. You need to make sure that your email address is in there. It is a simple switch inside of the SoundCloud content settings, and I have the direct link to that if you want to switch that over. But double check your feed. And that could be as simple as looking at your RSS feed in a browser and search for iTunes colon email. No spaces in that. iTunes colon email. And ensure that that email address there is one you have access to. It doesn't really matter what the address is, but you need to have access to it. So make sure it's something you can check and something that you check on a regular basis in case there are any problems with your feed or iTunes has a special announcement or something like maybe they say, hey, now we're offering this new feature that you can now get stats from your podcast in iTunes. Or maybe it's to say, hey, there's a new way to submit your podcast in iTunes. And that is with our new iTunes Podcast Connect service, which is true. That recently came out. They haven't emailed the podcasters about that yet. But if they do, you wouldn't receive that unless you have access to that email address in your RSS feed. So this is number four, contact information. Share at least a contact form and an email address if you can, and then add what you're comfortable with on top of that. Number five, feature your website needs. Social sharing. Make your content easy to share because your audience are the best advocates for your podcast. And a really easy way to do this is making these social sharing buttons on your website. Some WordPress themes like those from Appendipity already include social sharing built in, or you can add some basic buttons with Shareaholic and other similar social sharing plugins. But my absolutely favorite social sharing plugin is Social Warfare. It does cost, it doesn't cost all that much, especially when you consider all the beautiful things that it can do. But Social Warfare allows me to customize the images and text that go out to Twitter, Facebook, Google+, and even Pinterest. So if you look at my recent episodes on the audacitypodcast.com and you click on the Pinterest button, you will see a tall image will be shared out to Pinterest and a message. And that message can have some links or can have hashtags or anything like that. That's content that you don't see anywhere on the web page before you click the Pinterest button because social warfare is adding that. Or you can click on the tweet buttons that social warfare adds and those tweet buttons will probably be very similar to my title of the episode, but 
it'll be a little bit different. Maybe it includes hashtags. Maybe it at mentions someone. Maybe it includes a photo. I can do that kind of stuff with social warfare. And it also supports Facebook, Google+, Reddit, and several other social networks like that. I love social warfare. This is my favorite WordPress plugin that I've installed within the last couple or maybe even several years. Social Warfare is a top recommendation from me. Totally worth the price if you can afford it. It's really not that much. We're talking $2 or so per month. Check it out. I have the link in the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash website features. That's number five, social sharing. Number six, search engine optimization or SEO. Make your podcast findable by using quality SEO. And SEO is very much a decision on your part of the quality of content that you're creating and what kind of written content that you're creating. But then how you use that information with meta fields and that kind of stuff depends then on your SEO features of your website. If you're using WordPress, then I highly recommend Yoast SEO, or this was formerly called WordPress SEO by Yoast. This plugin maintains your search engine optimization and all of that meta information that you enter, even if you switch themes. There are some themes that include the SEO in them, like all of those based on Genesis framework, and that would be like StudioPress themes or Appendipity themes or other things like that. And that can give you some basic SEO and that's okay. But then if you switch themes, like if you go from a StudioPress theme to an elegant theme, theme, then you lose those SEO values. But if you use your, a plugin for your SEO, then it doesn't matter what theme that you're using. So make sure that whatever is powering the content of your site lets you also customize what kind of text goes into the SEO. The most important stuff for SEO, by the way, is your title. Make sure you have good, compelling titles for most important information first in the title. That's a big step toward SEO. And then whatever's making your podcast RSS feed should also give you control over the search engine optimization of your podcast. PowerPress does this. Libsyn mostly does this. You just need a little bit of code inside of the Libsyn RSS feed to really leverage this. And I'll talk more about search engine optimization in my next episode of the Audacity to Podcast, where I'll be sharing some website optimization tips. And please check out my complete SEO for Podcasters course to learn a lot more about search engine optimization, how to work with these different RSS feeds and plugins, and what you should be thinking about SEO. I have that linked in the show notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash website features. That's number six, search engine optimization. Number seven, stats. What do you know about how people consume your content and Do you know how many people there are who are consuming your content? This is where stats helps you. For website stats, I highly recommend Google Analytics. It's free and it's very easy to integrate with any kind of website, really, anywhere that you can paste code. There are some great WordPress plugins that make integrating Google Analytics into your website even easier. But if you're using something else, you can still add the Google Analytics code fairly simply into your website theme. Just make sure it's added somewhere so that it appears on every single page of your site or it's used and activated on every single page. For podcast stats, don't look at Google Analytics because that's measuring website stats, not podcast stats. In fact, it's not filtering things out the way it should for podcast stats. You really need a host that is dedicated to measuring podcast stats, filtering out the extraneous or bot downloads and stuff that just isn't actually downloaded by a human. That's why I recommend Blueberry's podcast stats, or if you host your media on Libsyn, they also provide great podcast stats. PodTrack can also provide good podcast stats. Blueberry, Libsyn, and PodTrack all worked together many years ago to come up with a standard for measuring podcast downloads. And this standard is far beyond the supposed standard that uh, some public radio people tried to come out with. And then they said that measuring podcast audience um, stuff is the wild, wild west. Well, 
sorry, no. What they proposed is more wild, wild west than the standards that already exist. And since many years ago, Blueberry, Podtrack, and Libsyn have refined their algorithms too to uh, filter out things like Twitter bombers or other bots that appear here and there and other issues that come up with mobile users and such. So make sure that you're using a quality company for your podcast stats. But remember that podcast stats and website stats are worthless if you're not integrating them properly into your website and your podcast RSS feed. So make sure that you follow those instructions and integrate them. That's a feature really for you, but it's a feature your website does need to have that it integrates with these third-party stats providers. That's number seven, stats. Number eight, speakable URLs. If you ever need to refer to something on your website from inside of your podcast, it's easiest to do that if you have a familiar and speakable URL. For example, the show notes URL that I've been mentioning for this episode is theaudacitytopodcast.com. That's the familiar part because you know the Audacity to Podcast, the Audacity to Podcast, and you know the website is theaudacitytopodcast.com. So that's the familiar part. You don't really have to work to remember that part. You're familiar with it. But it's theaudacitytopodcast.com slash website features. That's a very speakable and memorable URL that is also somewhat unambiguous as well. You could use episode numbers, you could use names or topics or other keywords, but what's most important about your spoken URLs is that they are memorable, that they're relevant, and that they're unambiguous. So try to avoid the word to if you can, because is it T-O, T-O-O, or T-W-O, or is it the number to? You could be very thorough, and if you have any URL that uses the word to and it has to use the word to, you could then ensure that all of those other forms are in there or just hope that everyone knows which version of that word that you're using and will spell it properly. Now, for easily making these speakable URLs that are built on top of your domain, if you're on WordPress, I highly recommend Pretty Link Pro. There is Pretty Link Lite, that's the free version, and it can make these speakable URLs. But Pretty Link Pro makes this much easier because I don't have to go to multiple places in order to make a Pretty Link for this particular episode. I simply enter what I want this URL to be while I'm creating the page or the post on my website. Plus, the pro version of Pretty Link also automatically hyperlinks certain keywords with the links that I specify. This works great for affiliates or for anything that you frequently have to hyperlink. So for example, if I write in my show notes, which I did, HostGator, TextExpander, Spreaker, Appendipity, words like that, those are automatically turned into hyperlinks with Pretty Link Pro. And I don't have to worry about hyperlinking that text myself. It's done for me. So I can focus on creating the content and not have to worry about hyperlinking all of the content. There are other cases where I have to manually hyperlink stuff, but Pretty Link Pro can make those repeated hyperlinks very easy for me. So this is number eight feature, speakable URLs. If you're on a service that is not powered by WordPress, then you'll need to find out from them if they offer the ability for you to make speakable URLs. You may have to use a third-party tool like Bitly Pro or something else like that, but try to find out how you can make your own URLs that easily redirect to other places. Number nine, speed. While thinking of all of these website features and everything you could possibly do and add to your site, don't forget to keep it clean and keep your website running as fast as possible. The easy ways to do this are to reduce the number of images that you have on your site or to reduce the size of your images and to remove the unnecessary plugins or plugins that just aren't giving you the features that you really truly need. I've done a past episode about speeding up your website and I have a link to that in the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash website features. And I'll also talk more about website speed in my next episode about website optimizations. So that's number nine, speed. Number 10, engagement. How much engagement with your audience you allow is totally your decision to make. I do recommend that you be as accessible and engaging as possible, but I know that for many of us, we can't scale that well. 
And so we may have to close down certain aspects of engagement. But many of the different aspects of engagement that you could get through your website can be either enhanced or added with plugins. Maybe it's feedback to send in for the podcast following a particular pattern or something. You could do that with a form plugin like Gravity Forms. Maybe it's comments on your individual episodes. That's very simple. That's built into WordPress and most website systems, but you can enhance that with other tools like Discuss and things like that. Maybe you want to have a forum on your website or real-time chat during your live shows or just real-time chat where people can come and hang out any time of the day. Maybe you don't want people to write stuff, but you want them to simply checkmark things and make choices in polls and surveys. These can be ways of having engagement on your website and they can be added with different plugins or embeddable code as well. That's number 10, engagement. Number 11, search. This isn't search engine optimization as in optimizing your content for search engines outside of your website, but this is searching within your website or internal search or internal search engine optimization. If your content helps people with things and it's not purely entertainment, then you will probably want the ability for people to search your website They might be looking for something that you recommended in the past. This could be the case for entertaining podcasts as well. Maybe they want to find what episode you had a particular guest on or when you referenced a certain video or something like that. But definitely, if your content is designed to help people, teach them something, show them how to do something, encourage them in some way, you probably want that to be searchable on your site. WordPress does have a built-in search widget that you can add, and many other content management systems and website platforms do provide an internal search for you. But if you're on self-hosted WordPress, I think you can get a lot better results and enhanced features by using the premium plugin SearchWP. This allows you to say the title is more important than the content or the tags are more important than the content or the the excerpt or the description is more important than the rest of the content, that kind of thing. So you can present people with much more relevant search results. You can also use SearchWP to do other things, to include plural forms of words or to use different variations of a word. Like maybe I wanted people to be able to search my site very easily for the words WP engine, and that's WP engine one word or WP engine two words. It could be things like that or other kinds of things that give you a lot more control and more accurate results for the people who are searching your website. But do remember that website search is really pointless if you don't have searchable content. So ensure that you write at least some basic show notes and use tags on your website to build the relationships between similar posts. This isn't for external SEO. This is about internal SEO. And I do talk about internal SEO in my complete SEO for podcasters course. And I have a link to that in the show notes for this episode if you'd like. That's number 11, search. Number 12, podcast RSS. There are reasons you may want to host your own podcast RSS feed on your website as well as reasons why you may not want to host your own podcast RSS feed on your website. And I have separate blog posts about both of those, and you can check them out. I have links in the show notes for this episode. But if you do decide to host your podcast RSS feed at the same place where you're managing the rest of your content, then you need some way of turning your website RSS feed into a podcast RSS feed. For WordPress, PowerPress is the only podcasting plugin I totally recommend. There are others that are okay, but PowerPress has the stability, the maturity, the features, the company backing, the quality support behind it that you can really rely on. There was an issue fairly recently at the time of this recording where a WordPress update came out and it contained an undocumented change that was core to WordPress. They did not tell developers, hey, we're changing this. It was not in the documentation to say this particular thing is being deprecated. It will soon be removed. Make sure your plugin supports this new method or stop supporting this old method. And even in the technical release notes that came with that update, this change was not documented. 
So it was essentially a secret change, but it broke podcast RSS feeds. So yes, there is that possibility that a WordPress update can break your podcast RSS feeds. But Blueberry, who makes PowerPress, had an update to PowerPress on either the same day or the day immediately following. They were on top of it and they fixed it extremely quickly. There's a whole company behind it and PowerPress is perfect for WordPress podcasters. Now, if you're using some other platform that does not give you a podcast RSS feed, then this is when you would want to use the SmartCast feature inside of FeedBurner. There are some cases where you could be using FeedBurner in its vanilla state. The the real crime of FeedBurner is not FeedBurner itself, but it's really SmartCast. The SmartCast feature inside of FeedBurner is what can mess up some podcast RSS feeds, and I've documented that before on theaudacitypodcast.com. So don't use the SmartCast feature if you're using your Libsyn RSS feed or you're using your PowerPress RSS feed. But if you're using something like Blogger or WordPress.com or maybe even Squarespace, then that's when you might want to use the SmartCast feature inside of WordPress in order to get a podcast RSS feed that's powered by your website, the same website where you're managing the rest of your content. That's number 12, Podcast RSS, an important feature for your website. And make sure your RSS is linked from your website especially from your homepage. This is very important for being in the Microsoft Windows and Xbox, that whole Microsoft ecosystem in their podcast directory is that your podcast must be searchable and indexable, including having an RSS feed linked from your website. And then you submit a sitemap to Bing. And I cover all of that also in my SEO for Podcasters course. But as long as you make sure your RSS is linked and your website is indexable, then you should be okay, but you can take some extra steps to submit it to being Microsoft's search engine so that it's indexed for Microsoft's own podcast apps. Number 13, email opt-ins. This is totally optional. You don't have to have an email list for your podcast. I do recommend it, and I've done an episode previously where I talked all about different ways that you could use an email list with your podcast. It's not only for online businesses. I do recommend you have one, but it's optional for you to have it. If you have a comedy podcast, it might not be important for you to have an email list, but there are some great uses for having an email list. And I have a link to that past episode in the show notes for this episode at theaudacitypodcast.com slash website features. But if you're running a business and your podcast is part of that business or is your business, then I think having an email list is vital to the growth and success of your business. It's really best if you offer an incentive for people to join your email list. But then once you have that incentive, how do you actually get people on your list, the technical side of it? I recommend that you consider one of these three different ways of promoting the opt-in form where people sign up to your email list. You could use first uh, an embedded form. This could be code that you get from your email service provider, or if you use a form plugin like Gravity Forms, this can also integrate with your email service provider. So you can create your own form on your website, and that subscribes people to your newsletter. Like maybe it's your contact form. You have an opt-in checkbox that says, would you like to receive emails from me on a regular basis? And they checkmark it, and then they're subscribed to your email list from sending you information on your contact form. Be very careful with that by the way, and make sure that you're very clear with your language. Or you could have an off-site link. Maybe it's a simple icon, a link, a button, something like that, that takes people from your site to your email services provider's website where they have a hosted form for people to join your email list. But you could also do this in a really cool way by using some intelligent opt-in offers like Leadpages, Opt-in Monster, or Rapidology, which is a free service provided by Leadpages. These can make some really cool and smart pop-ups, buttons, and more features that they've done research. So I can say that it's been scientifically proven to get more opt-ins. I use lead pages for myself. I really like lead pages. It makes making pop-up buttons and little pop-up windows, friendly, ethical pop-up windows, by the way, very easy to do on my site. And by implementing the tools that lead pages makes very easy for me 
I've grown my list more than 1,000% from using lead pages. Yeah, 10 times the size of my list before I started using lead pages and the techniques that it makes much easier for me. You can do some of that stuff manually, but it'll be really hard, so hard that you may not get around to doing it that often. But when you use a tool like lead pages or Optin Monster or Rapidology, it does make these things easier. And I have links to those services in the show notes. So this is number 13, email opt-ins. And number 14, monetization. This is optional. If you choose to monetize your podcast, then you probably need features on your website to make your podcast monetization possible. So here's some things to think about if you're going to keep your monetization on your own website. There are third-party tools for monetizing your content, your podcast, your brand, and all of that. But I'm talking about stuff that you put on your own website and host on your website. Think about donations. This could be a simple PayPal button. Maybe it's a WordPress plugin that makes donations easier. Or you could get more advanced with something like Gravity Forms. I've made a donate form for some of our other podcasts before where people could very easily donate one time. They could donate on a subscription basis. They could donate with PayPal. They could donate with a credit card. I did need a security certificate to be able to accept credit card payments But I made it all on the site and easy for them. It was very difficult for me and took me a lot of time to integrate all of that advanced stuff. But that could be a way of making that feature easier for people on my site. There's also selling. If you have a physical or digital product to sell, you need some way of selling that through your website. If you're doing this on your website, remember. Easy digital downloads and WooCommerce are the most popular WordPress e-commerce plugins out there. And I use WooCommerce currently on the Audacity to podcast. And do remember, though, if you're accepting credit card payments, then you probably need a security certificate. Even if you're not accepting credit card payments, getting SSL on your website so your website is accessible through HTTPS is a really good idea. And it'll help you stand out better on Google with search engine optimization. If you use affiliates for monetizing your podcast, then you want some way to easily integrate those affiliates onto your website. This is one of the reasons why I love Pretty Link Pro. It makes it really easy for promoting my affiliate links. So I don't have to hyperlink every time that I say HostGator. I just write out the word HostGator and then it's automatically hyperlinked with my affiliate link because I've set that up in advance. If you're using Amazon affiliates on your site for recommending relevant products or recommending any product or anything like that, then Easy Azon Pro is my favorite plugin for making those internationalized Amazon affiliate links. I recently received my first payment from my international Amazon accounts, and it was something like 112 pounds, which translated then to about $150. And that was great. That definitely paid for the Easy Azon Pro plugin in that money that I made from those international affiliates. But Easy Azon Pro even makes it easier if you're just focusing on a particular country. Easy Azon Pro makes it much easier than for putting in those affiliate links to products on the Amazon store, whether that be Amazon UK, Amazon USA, Amazon Canada, or other stores. Also, If you have something that you are selling yourself, you may want to consider running your own affiliate program so that people can join and they get paid to promote your product or service. The best plugin for that, I think, is Affiliate WP. And I do have an affiliate link for Affiliate WP. Yeah, I mentioned an affiliate link for an affiliate thing in a podcast about podcasting. I'm that meta sometimes. And that link is in the show notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash website features. The other way you might want to think about with monetizing on your website would be display ads. This could be with something like Amazon CPM, Google AdSense, or maybe simply banner ads for affiliates that you use. If your site receives a lot of page views, and I would say somewhere around 100,000 or more page views per month, then you may want to monetize it with these display ads or these banner ads that you can put on your site. How are you going to manage those? Now, many times you can simply paste the code into widgets and pages and such, but you might want to manage that 
in a much easier way. The plugin that I recommend for that, that's the combination of the easiest to use as well as the best features, is AdRotate. There are two versions of AdRotate. AdRotate Free, which is available in the WordPress plugin repository, as well as AdRotate Pro, which you pay for. And I did buy AdRotate Pro. I don't have an affiliate link to it, but I will have a link to it in the show notes in case you want to check it out. And I really like AdRotate. It's simple, it's clean, it's fast, it's fairly easy, and it makes managing those ads a lot easier. So what website features are crucial to your own podcast? And when you look at other podcast websites out there for the podcast that you listen to or that you consider, what are some of the features they have that you really love? I'd love to hear your thoughts, so please comment on the show notes for this episode number 256 at the slash website features. Once again, these 14 features your podcast website needs are number one, podcast players, number two, backup, number three, security, number four, contact information, number five, social sharing, number six, search engine optimization. Number seven, stats. Number eight, speakable URLs. Number nine, speed. Number 10, engagement. Number 11, search. Number 12, podcast RSS. Number 13, email opt-ins. And number 14, monetization. I mentioned a lot of links and resources and plugins and all kinds of stuff in this episode. So please go to the show notes to get all of that information for stuff that you want to check out, purchase or download for free and all of that and more in the show notes for episode 256 at com slash website features. I'm really excited about an upcoming webinar that I'll be doing with Troy Heinrichs. We'll be talking about amazing ways to promote and grow your podcast. This is a special webinar from Podcasters Society, and you can register for it for free over at podcasterssociety.com slash webinar. This will also be the last chance in a little while for you to join Podcasters Society. So if you've been waiting for the next open enrollment period, now is your chance. Go to podcasterssociety.com slash webinar to register for that great webinar. And the replay will be available only for a short time. After that, it becomes exclusive to members of Podcasters Society. And we're having a great time inside of Podcasters Society. That's at podcastersociety.com slash webinar. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the audacity to podcast.com. Thanks for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.